Shall we begin? Let's begin now. Hi, I am Cynthia Cooper, name to the Naismith Memorial Hall of Fame, and you're listening to Vision and Swishing. Hi, everybody. It's David Siegel, and we are putting together the last podcast from September. The WNBA Finals are in full gear. We're going to be starting up some college basketball soon. And always running through all of these things is USA Basketball. And this weekend is the first AG after Geno national, senior national team training camp, uh, or whatever you would wish to call it. And it is always a pleasure to bring back to Dishon and Swishin the boss, the woman that's in charge of the senior national team program, Carol Callen. Carol, it's great to talk to you again. How are you? Great. Thank you, Dave. I'm doing well, and it's always great to be a part of your program. Well, Carol, you know, first of all, you know, you've got this big big weekend, the first uh, Don Staley training camp, and, you know, I guess it says something for the quality of the players that are in the WNBA finals that nine members <laughs> – uh, were associated to were invited to your camp and can't go because they're part of you part of the WNBA championships. Yeah, you know the, the the biggest challenge of this camp was the hotel rooms. Uh, you know we had to we had to make sure we had enough, and then you want to make sure you don't have too many, and then you know you're doing that months ago before the playoffs even start. So you know I, I think to LA and Minnesota's credit, I think everybody thought they would be in this position and what a great finals it's been so far in the first two games. So you just sort of realize that this is sort of the the situation that we have at USA Basketball. We just adjust to whatever happens, and I think um, in the international world, if you're not flexible and if you don't adjust, you're not going to be successful. It's just something that we always do. Well, let's let's start with that, and you know, you you as well as anyone know, since you took over with the ninety with the ninety six team, and were involved in USA Basketball from then on, so you know that they spent the entire year putting together a, a team that was so formidable and, and everything that went with that. Now, you know, the the talent is amazing, but you know, you keep just getting a few days here and there. I mean, the time challenges have to be one of the biggest things in terms of training for USA Basketball. No doubt. There's absolutely no doubt. The the progression of this program over those six Olympics is amazing. We had over a year together. Then we had a situation where, uh, you know, there was an ABL and a WNBA, so we would train WNBA players in the winter. We'd train ABL players in the summer, and we'd try to bring them together jointly in the spring and fall. Um, Then we had just the WNBA, but the WNBA had special services contracts for two players at each team that kept them in market, which meant we could have training camps more often then. And then when the special services contracts went away, the players really, in order to make the money they make, they have to go overseas. And, of course, our players are the best players, so they are paid handsomely. And what ultimately it comes down to is is that there are three teams that they play for, two of which pay them their salaries, and then our team, which doesn't. And we understand that, and we also understand their loyalty to be a part of that because they do play year-round, many of them. And so I think what, what we've always uh, 
made decisions on, and again, as long as you understand what's important to you, you can make good decisions based on that, is we know that if we have our best players playing and if we cultivate that, uh, we'll, we'll be successful. And so we do things bits and pieces now just simply because there's no other time to get the players together. And I think the the important piece is that both Gino and now Don, they want to use their time wisely. They don't have to do rebounding drills. They don't have to, you know, do any of the conditioning. The players are, are pros. They come in shape. It's more a case of getting them to understand each other and understand now what Don's going to do versus perhaps a little bit strategy-wise that Gino did. So that's that's a big piece. I think the other piece that's always interesting is when Gino was, was coaching, you know, there were quite a few of his players that were on the team, obviously, because they're very good players, but they understood a lot of what he was doing. So I think the, the challenge moving forward, and, and Don is going to work on this, is, you know, it's new, it's a new, it's perhaps new. Now, not always because, I, you know, a lot of coaches use some of the same things, and I know Don has been talking to a variety of pro coaches, and Don was in the pros herself and, and knew what worked well with that, that it's not going to be completely new, but it's a different style a little bit. And so this camp that we're having here the next three days is really an important camp to, to have Dawn start to make her mark and for the players to get to know Dawn. You know, one of the things that's interesting about this camp and uh, the people that are included in it is, uh, you know, we're down to, we're down to 18. Uh, Tina, Charles, Brittany Griner, and Diana Tarasi were originally expected and had to withdraw for various reasons, plus the, all the people in the finals. You've got a very young group, uh, sort of the next wave, except for you only have three Olympians back. You've got, uh, you know, you've got Stewie back, and then you've got Diana. Uh, I'm sorry, Sue Bird, and Elena Deladon. So you're really, guys, you guys are really going to be looking at people that do have an extensive USA background, uh, but they're not as experienced on the senior national team level in the big tournament. So it, I'm sure it's going to be exciting and, and kind of fun to see what they bring to the table. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the the Olympic team that we had. It was. It's kind of like your your college team. You want to have about the same number of seniors, juniors, sophomores, and freshmen on that team, so that your culture is is promoted by the veterans. That the leadership develops over time. And in Rio, we had almost a perfect three, 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 three. You know, three four-time Olympians, three three-time Olympians, three two-time Olympians, three first-time Olympians. It wasn't quite perfect, but it it is in keeping with that and you know it's it's a I guess a luxury that we now are at the position where that you know sometimes the picks are such that we're leaving off some very very good people and not just young people but veterans and so that's all part of these camps is trying to get the players familiar with Don because when ultimately it comes down to it and we move to next September when we have to select the team, somebody that's more familiar with Dawn is going to feel more at ease in the camp and be able to show what they do. So we look at these camps really as preparation for that. And, and then we also look to what's made us successful, which is great leadership, great veterans, but also the development of young players over time. And I think... Um, 
you know, we're in a, in a good situation because only Tamika Catchings retired. The other 11 Olympians all want to play. Well, you know, that's a, that's a great problem to have in the sense that how do you then keep bringing the young in with the old, so to speak. So this camp is, is going to be interesting because there are some players, obviously, that are coming from long distances, you know, making good attempts to come back from Europe. Or, you know, they've delayed going over to Europe knowing that their team is, is waiting for them. Um, it, it, you know, there's a lot going on in these players' lives. And so we appreciate the three days that we can get, even though we'd love to have a lot more, obviously. Addressing a couple of the couple of individual situations and some individual players, just some questions. You know, for one thing, you get people. You know, you had Tamika and you got D and Sue and you know the the longtime veterans. You know, if is what with the commitments that they have made over the years, and this is the point that I have always made to people that say, well, the team needs to tell them that we got to get younger and we've got to retire. They've got to step aside. They've got to retire from this. The commitments and the time that they've put in over the years, my my thought is that they deserve the opportunity to play any time that they want to for as long as they want to, as long as they, because they're not gonna they're not gonna continue when they can't feel that they can hold up their end of the bargain. Uh, is that kind of the approach that you guys have to take with somebody like that that's given you so much for so long? Well, you know, I, yes, I guess is the quick answer. Yes, knowing that that those veterans know when it's time. And what's, what's really, I guess, what I appreciate is if they don't think they can do it, they won't do it. Um, and I think that, that the uh, interesting thing about athletes is, you know, the first five years they're a pro, they feel like they're invincible, they can do anything, uh, they can eat whatever they want and still still perform at a high level. And as they get older, they just get smarter and they start to take care of their bodies and they realize the benefit of being an athlete and making money playing a game you love. And so they they extend their careers better now than they ever have. And But at the same time, I think they have enough respect for USA Basketball and, and the Olympic team and what that means and the slot that they would have. And I'm sure it's a tough decision, but I, I, I feel like they know when it's time. And, and up to that point, you know, we would be silly not to be able to, to take advantage of their wealth of experience. Um, you know, so many of them play overseas. They know they know the scouting report better than we know the scouting <laughs> report. So that that's just um, it. Just makes sense to keep people around as valuable as they are. One other thing that goes with that, unfortunately, though, now is the. Uh shall we say, the ease in which some of these countries are handing out citizenship. And that reduces some of your player pool, and that's kind of a catch-22 trade-off. And in particular, you know, I saw when you guys were in stores last time, you know, Courtney Vandersloot, for example, was there, did well. But, you know, when you've got Sue and Lindsay, you know, it's tough for you to break through that first block at the beginning at point guard. So now you've got players that are get, taking citizen, citizenship over there for the opportunity to play in the world championships in addition to, of course, being able to make more money over there as a European player. That's something new that you guys have had to deal with really only in the last few years. Yes. You know, it's interesting, David, the, 
the rules in FIBA are if you play in a FIBA event at any point, you become naturalized as a citizen of that, that country. So we have U17, U19 world championships, and we have a slew of athletes that we're naturalizing just by virtue of the fact that they play with us at those younger ages. So what happens is I can think of three notable ones. You mentioned Courtney Vandersloot. Uh, Epiphany Prince is another one, and Becky Hammond was probably the first most famous one. And, and you know, Courtney and Becky, I remember, you know, Courtney was kind of late to the scene. She played at Gonzaga, really played well her last two years, and never really was in the mix of our World Cups and World Championships prior to that. So she had not yet naturalized, so to speak. Uh, Becky Hammond played for us on the Jones Cup, played for us a couple of other times, was injured, and so she also had never naturalized. And then you look at Epiphany Prince, and Epiphany Prince left Rutgers early and went to Russia and and naturalized immediately. Uh, So what happens is, is there's a few like that. Then there's a few that have always been on the cusp of making our team but just never quite do it. And they come to the point where I think they, they legitimately look at their future and their career and their earning power, and they realize that these European teams, if you become a European citizen in their country, that then opens up a spot for an American, and it can make their team stronger, and they can afford to pay that extra. And so it's a, it's a wise financial move as well. Um, you know we're we're a very competitive group. You know it's not easy to break into our Olympic team when you consider that we perhaps only have three newcomers a year or a, an Olympics. That's once every four years. So I, I think the rule is there for a good reason to allow teams to do that and, and uh, national teams to do that. The good news is they can only naturalize one, so it's not like we face ourselves uh, when we play some other teams. But it, but it does allow the opportunity for players to do that. And, and I also appreciate the fact that, you know, Courtney Vandersloot might spend more time overseas in Europe and in her country than than she does even in the U.S. anymore. So there's a, you know, it's not like you can just buy your passport and go over and play. I mean, you have to be a significant contributor to those teams. And, and I think, uh, you know, fortunately for us, we do have enough players to choose from. So then on the other side, talking specifically about Tiffany Hayes, just to clarify then, she played uh, in the 3 by 3 European games. Those were not FIBA? Well, because so you know, how, how does she qualify? But she was also in – I didn't understand how she could play for them because I do know she played for USA Basketball. Yeah, you know, she played on a World University Games team, and the World University Games is not a FIBA-sponsored event, so that's that's why. But then we were – we were surprised, too, because I contacted FIBA to say, hey, you know, she played for Azerbaijan in this three-on-three. Is, is she, would she be eligible to play for us? And they came back, and they they treated three-on-three a little bit differently early on. They treated it as if you, it didn't matter what your nationality was. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, by, I don't quite understand all of the rules, but by going back to FIBA, I said, you know, she did this. Can she still play on our Olympic team, and they said yes. Now, if she does play on our Olympic team, she can't go back to Azerbaijan. So uh, I'm, I think it is more. it was more specific to the way three-on-three three was back then when she did play 
it's not the same moving forward with three on three now that three on three is going to be in the Olympics. Okay, so now if it, now the the FIBA three three by three on three is counts as being naturalized if you play for a country. Correct. Gotcha. Okay, so that that explains that. You had mentioned about people being on the fringe, that you know, and, and trying to break through into the mix. Uh, one question that I did have: uh, you look at the players that are included in camp, and they all have long-time, extensive USA basketball backgrounds, going all the way back U16 or whatever the case may be. Uh, if somebody is a late bloomer, just say, what? How difficult do you think it is for them? to earn a spot to one of these camps to get into the mix compared to somebody that maybe has been in there for a long time. There, I mean, you've got all different ages of people. You, you know, you have, for example, a person like, you know, not to, to pick on her, but you have a Morgan Tuck that's coming off of injury that didn't have a stellar WNBA season because of that, but she has proven to be a, a, a gold medal winning performer in big time in USA basketball. She gets an invite, but what about somebody that maybe hadn't played in USA basketball when they were younger? They developed late or came from a, or came from a school like you had mentioned, you know, like a Gonzaga or someplace that may be more of a mid-major school. Yeah, I think it's a very fair question, and I think it's something that we look at a lot at every age. You know, we we start with the U16. We might miss somebody there. We always feel like eventually, though, we find them, and you take it now to the pro level. Uh, it's really it's it's interesting because and that's why we have a committee. I guess I should should back up. You know, you do get you do get relationships built. You do have people that you know in the truest sense of the form of the word. And so, if it was just up to one person, there might be too many loyalties that it would be hard to break that person and have them look maybe more objectively. So we always go with a five-person committee and have WNBA representation, and, and the athlete rep is Katie Smith, who obviously has great uh, knowledge of the WNBA sitting on the bench of the, the Liberty. Um, and so what we do is is we're very well aware of people that all of a sudden play well, too. I'll give you a good example, and it's not so much that they weren't on our radar. Uh, Chelsea Gray is a good example right now. I mean, she's playing terrific for the Sparks and has you know, with Connecticut over the last couple years, we knew of her as a high school kid and invited her several times, but she could never come because of injury or then her birth date was just off a little bit perhaps. Um, but but she, we, we've known about her forever, and she's somebody that was initially in the invite list and accepted, but now she's she's in the finals. So she has yet to step into our gym so to speak and yet we know that that we would love to have her now that the issue is you know her team's playing in the finals so we still don't get to see her so i i think it's it's uh the way the system is set up is yes we have some loyalties to people that have been longtime contributors but we're not at all uh averse to bringing in anybody that we think can help and when you also look at the fact that you know we had you know 
30 plus players that we were interested in and we're able to get 18 here whether it's injury overseas commitments whatever you know WNBA finals uh, the more the merrier is kind of the way we look at it, but we also want to be realistic with what we think should be here. And, and you know, Lasia Clarendon's another one. She played for us on our U19 team back when we went to Thailand and, and hasn't been around until now again. And so sometimes they come in and out. Sometimes they, you know, wait a while to get to us, or sometimes they're with us for a long time. Um, I think our goal is always just picking the players that we think are going to help us win a gold medal. Uh, on, on the same type of side, let's talk about coaches for one second. Uh, you've got, you know, Dawn is head coach. You, you've got a college group basically doing this camp. Cheryl is still involved, of course, but she's a little bit busy right now. But, you know, let, let's look at some of the – if somebody in the WNBA wanted to be involved in USA Basketball, say, that has not done it before, uh, say Kurt Miller, uh, who has proven to be a good coach, coach of the year in the WNBA – how does he get involved in, in some of this? I mean, Fred Williams, I know, was invited to assist at some of these as, as a court coach. How, how does a coach get involved if they haven't been through the USA basketball system, too? It's sort of the same same thing. Uh, you know, we're we're always interested in the best, coaching the best. And so um, as you look at this camp, because it did overlap – and we didn't know who would be available. We just felt like, let's just go with college coaches for this camp. And then most likely, we're going to take advantage of the February EuroLeague break. Uh, the, the EuroLeague last year in 2000, actually be two years ago. In, no, I guess it was last year. Time is escaping me. In, in 2016, the first time the EuroLeague took a break for national team competitions back home. So we were able to have a, a three-day camp in Connecticut with our players in February, and we're looking to, to hopefully do that again this coming 2018 in February and do that, you know, with, with Dawn. And at that point, we'll use WNBA coaches for that camp. And the idea being we'll look at some – college coaches here we'll look at some WNBA coaches there of course there are some coaches that can't come to to camps I and mean, we keep our eyes open all the time for what we think uh, is a good mix with Dawn as well as looking again with an eye to the future Dawn was on not only played in three Olympics she's coached in two Olympics one under Ann Donovan and one under Gino uh, you know it's it's hard to throw somebody into the fray of these international pressurized situations without some experience. So we're always looking at a good fit for the current coach, but also who can we start to also give some experience to for the future. Yeah, I think that's one thing I will certainly commend. I think the way that you did it, the fact that you had Gino able to commit to those two, time, those two circuits so that Dawn and Cheryl got extra time in learning what to do so that they could be the future and while he steps aside and now you're doing the same with others and you know it's nice to you know I like the choices that you have for the bench for the court coaches you know Walls deserves it after what he just did with U23 Sue Semro certainly has done stuff for USA basketball too as as Jen Rosati and you know they deserve the opportunities to continue to work with these people so I think that you're doing a great job with that I will say yeah, I you know it's it's um, all everything seems to be a breeding ground. The the 
you know, U19s, uh, the World University Ames, the Pan Ams, we, those are opportunities for college coaches to get involved. And then, you know, as much as we can, we used to probably have more opportunities with, with pro coaches just because we had more training time. But we just, we're, again, we're trying to be smarter, more efficient, but still have the same usage of, of their time as well as our time. And uh, so far it's been working, and I think, again, you just have to adjust and understand your environment and what you can do to continue to move forward. Well, I don't want to keep you too much longer, but there is one more thing that we certainly need to talk about because USA Basketball is far from you know just what you see on the court. And you guys have an event on Saturday that I think is just a tremendous idea uh, it's the first time that you guys have done this, and that is the Women in the Game, Women in the Game Conference at the site of the training at Westmont College. That'll be during the day on Saturday prior to practice. So can you talk a little bit about what the idea was in trying to have this conference or seminars and have, enlist these speakers to tell high school and college kids about what opportunities could be before them in sports? Sure, I'd love to. I have to give all credit to Jay Demings, who is our youth division director, and and uh, Jim Tooley, and and we've been talking about what we can do for youth, what we can do to, to develop the game, to grow the game from a on the court sense with players, and what we can do with coaches through our coaching academies and our licensing program. And the the, the discussion we've been having is, you know. Women perhaps could be considered underrepresented in some cases in in some positions in basketball. You know, the good news is you do have women's basketball, so you have opportunities in coaching. Uh, there's always this talk about can they break into the NBA, and we'll see. We see sort of movement that way a little bit. Uh, you know, Carol Lawson just was announced as the Wizards play-by-play, I'm sorry, analyst, uh, we know that there are females refereeing now in the NBA. And so the, the idea was, well, let's put together something that can help young girls, young women, learn more about getting in the game. And so the concept is is to bring together high school and college students, women, who are interested in a career in sports. And it doesn't have to be that you just are going to play. Uh, there's some of that that they will learn about how to be a better player, but it's also they might want to learn how to coach or they might want to learn how to be an administrator in the realms of being in a front office, perhaps a national governing body like USA Basketball, perhaps in marketing, perhaps in sports science, sports sciences. And so there, there is a conference that's being put together with a variety of speakers uh, Dawn will be speaking. Katie Smith is a former player and current coach. I will talk about national governing bodies. Jen Welder, who uh, was the first NFL coach. Uh, we have a couple of sports psychologists coming in. Kelly Kroskoff is giving a front office perspective. Eileen Hauser from Nike will be talking about marketing and branding. And it's, you know, just 20, 30-minute conversations with these high school and college students to perhaps pique their interest in a category of, of sports that they didn't even know about. And it's designed specifically for women. We hope to do four of them a year, perhaps one, you know, at the final four in the future, uh, and go around to different areas of the country uh, and try and, and get young people interested and, and 
you know, perhaps give them ideas of internships that they can do also in these areas so that we can get more women involved. I just think it's a tremendous idea, and then it get, and then they do get the opportunity to, you know, see how hard the players have to work in practice as well. So, you know, if you're doing this, there's a good possibility that you like to play the game too at some level, and it's good to get them the opportunity to see how hard the work is to get to be the get to be the best. Exactly. I mean, we have a, a couple of high school coaches that are bringing their teams. Uh, you know, I just think it's it's a great opportunity. It's it's Saturday, so there's no school. You know, again, there's so many things going on in kids' lives. If they're a multi-sport athlete, perhaps they can't come. But if we do enough of these, and, and it's also geared to the college student as well, uh, you know, they'll have chances to, to go to them all around the country. So it's something that we're excited about, and it's, uh, you know, hopefully we can expand it to more than one day perhaps. Well, it's great to see you know, that USA Basketball thinks of so many different aspects and doesn't just focus on this is what we have to do on the court. It's about growing the system and growing the people involved and, and making sure that people are getting where they need to be in life, not just on the court, and that's fantastic. Well, it's a great, you know, sports in general is just fantastic for anybody to be involved with, uh, to learn all sorts of things, and, and basketball in particular we're all – committed to and it's it's something that i know if we can continue to keep players playing in whatever the the category whether it's just at the recreational level or or you know the bigger the broader the piece is at the bottom then the better the more elite group at the top will be and so i i think it's one of those where we are we're committed to to growing the game to trying to do everything we can for both men and women and uh you know, it may take a while, a generation, to see the fruits of this labor, but we're very excited about it. Well, Carol, I want to take uh, take this opportunity to say thank you for all you do for USA Basketball. You know, it, it's a great program that is a blast to follow as a person in the media uh, because of the way that things are run and the fact that things are done in such a fashion that you know you're you make yourselves accessible to us. You know, it's fun to watch. It's still the best in the world. You know, and, and you know, you are the boss. This is something that you, uh, it, it stops with, the buck stops with you at all times, Carol. Well, I appreciate it. It's nice to hear the good things. I also look forward to hearing the critiques at times because that's the only way we get better as well. And I, I think that, you know, it all goes back when you, again, you have the best people involved, whether it's coaches, players, Anybody, you know, it, it's a very pleasurable job, so I appreciate it. It's something I obviously love to do and always enjoy talking with you and allowing people to, to hear about it. Well, thank you, Carol. Good luck this weekend. I know that uh, come Monday you're going to be, uh, if you're still out in California, you'll be with a cocktail at the pool trying to rest up. I, I will hope that the sun is shining and I can enjoy the, uh, the beach or something. Yeah, thank you very much. Take care and enjoy the rest of the day. All right. Thank you, Dave.